You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. Early in his career, Dan McArdle had to respond to the most difficult of interview questions. What footy team do you barrack for? At least it's more unpredictable than the where do you see yourself in five years question. Turns out, Dan got his answer correct and was given a job after some work experience elsewhere. The early part of his career was a great experience for Dan to learn new skills while on the job, refine his talent and understand how to deal with other people in a professional setting. In this episode, Dan explains how his career led him to co-starting a boutique construction company and how the industry is implementing sustainable practices. So Dan, now that you've got your degree, I assume you took your own advice that you gave me in our last episode, which says you got out and knocked on some doors to find a job. I did. I went to Carlton and knocked on the front door of Multiplex and I asked for some work experience. So they gave me that. And then uh, I did some research on JA Dodd and I applied for a role there. I was shortlisted as one of their candidates, uh, went to the interview and the interview process was, what footy team do you vote for? Who, who, who are you as a person? I did. I, I yeah, knocked, knocked on a couple of doors and was lucky. So going into that job then, did you feel confident? Um, was it a really big opportunity for you? Did you hit the ground running or did, did you battle some hurdles along the way? Did I feel confident? No, I was, like most people, completely insecure and had complete insecurities about starting this new role. I wore a suit and tie, I think, to my first day. I I never wore a suit and tie ever again. But I don't think you want to be comfortable. I think you want to be you want to be excited and nervous and apprehensive because you know it's going to be a challenge and you know you're going to have to put a lot of work in. So if you feel comfortable there's probably something wrong. What were you doing? What did you some of the specifications of your role? So I was the contract administrator. I was one of several contract administrators. I reported directly to a project manager. Contract administration is procurement and letting of of subcontracts in the building in the building industry and for for projects. So if you you need to subcontract a a concreter or a plumber, the contract administrator is the one responsible for putting that package together and that contract and the scope of work and what is the concreter doing, what is he not doing, what are the payment terms. As a contract administrator, you need to spell out and identify everything that he's responsible for. It sounds like there's a bit of organisation in that role. There is, absolutely. You've got to assess the drawings and the project documents. You've got to be experienced as to know who who does what and where the loopholes are and where the black holes are. How did you organise yourself in order to function in that role? So I've always used my calendar and I've always used my notes. My calendar is always full. Even if I've got a free week, it's always full. So it might be go have a coffee with Dave at 9.30 to 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, giving Dave that time, produce a package for the painter 11 till 12 on a Wednesday, um, always giving myself enough time to do the task and, and not booking anything sort of half an hour either side. And then just notes, just constantly evaluating what I'm doing and constantly creating notes and thoughts and brainstorming around what I'm doing, what I have to do for the day, for the week, for the year. That's something you started to learn in the the early stages of your career and it's just continued throughout the duration? 
It did. I think I think that Jay Adada had a had a couple of really strong mentors, a couple of guys who were very influential, and they sort of had they had strong processes that they they showed me, strong ways of doing things, and confident ways of doing things. Um, I had a project manager who I who I started with immediately, um, who came from ProBuild, so he introduced me to a lot of really strong processes and uh, and led the way a little bit in my development. And then Jay Adada themselves, you know, was a really fantastic company who who gave opportunities in in supporting environment so there was always always an opportunity for you to do something new or extend yourself what was your uh, opportunity after ja dodd after ja dodd the the project manager that i just referenced he left ja dodd to start his own company constructive group Um, he offered me a a position um, a directorship shareholding in constructive group to start that with him so that was my next big opportunity. That's pretty exciting. It was. It was fantastic. Because you would have been relatively young as well, right? I was. So, I mean, I was at JADOG for five or six years. So I was probably 27, 28 years old. Yeah, it was a huge opportunity. What inspired you or gave you the confidence that that was the right move? What did I have to lose? What's the worst that can go wrong? I'm employable. I can go get a job tomorrow. What was there to lose? Maybe naive, but that was my thinking now and thinking back then. So you must have been thrown in the deep end there. What was it like? It was great. It was a small business. So you had time to work things out yourself. It wasn't the, the pressures of, of a large company or significant workload that you had overpowering your, your mind. It was you know, one job at a time or slow buildup of, of projects. It was great. I guess being a director at such a young age, one of your roles would have been to manage people and manage teams. Did you naturally take to that or uh, was that a whole new learning experience for you? I think I naturally took to the friendship element. I think it's uh, it's the friendship and connections is one part of management. You need to, you need to also lead people and, and direct people with clear direction and with some level of authority or, or some level of, of hierarchy. So I think I developed that through the early phases of Constructive Group. How did you wrap up this business that you'd started to create and then find your way into your own business? It wasn't by myself. Uh, we, at Constructive Group, we employed my current business partner. He was employed as a carpenter and he was a young young carpenter at the time. We saw you know, great assets in him. We gave him an opportunity to run a project, which he did really well. We started a side business of constructive group called Basis Builders where the three of us were directors. But pretty quickly, Reese and I felt pretty strongly about moving Basis into a, into a certain direction. And so we amicably agreed to part ways with Richard, the director, and go our own way. What direction was that? It was absolutely quality-focused. Reese's background was of absolute quality and I really saw an opportunity to produce some some absolute quality work where, where quality was the primary focus. Profits came next or came later. How do you tap into that market? Because that's obviously pretty niche. You know, when you're talking in terms of quality, that often comes with the customer needing a big budget in order to achieve what they want to. How did you tap into it? Uh, so we started small. Our first job was $200,000, $250,000. We, you know, we had some relationships with architects. We leaned on those relationships. We established new relationships and we grew with architects who, who, who are predominantly a big part of our clientele. You know, the, we work for the client, of course, the homeowner. 
who's critically important, but just as important is, is the architects who we work with. So, yeah, we, we established relationships with them and we built with them with quality and customer service as a real priority. We, we performed. We didn't just talk about it. So talk me through a project then. What do you do? If you come on board and deliver a project, what does that look like from start to finish? Uh, the architect has done the design. That can be an early design phase or it can be a completely designed, engineered and fully documented project. We're slowly getting into the early stage engagement whereby architect comes to us and says, hey, basis builders, we've, we've got a project that we're looking to do. Would you mind providing a budget on these concept drawings? So my role would be to provide a budget and to talk to the architect about the client's budget what their current design looks like cost-wise and how we can do things more economically if, if need be. We then meet the client. The architect at the same time develops the drawings with our input and our involvement. The, the architect brings us on board and we're involved in the development of the design. How do you ensure in that process that you're delivering something that meets the demands of the homeowner or the customer, but it's also respectful of the architectural process? Meeting the demands of the, of the homeowner is, is, is typically the brief of the architect. Uh, we, we would never uh, suggest something which, which strips away from the architectural integrity, and that's critical because the architects are cutting edge, you know, in, uh, incredibly established architects who really design bespoke specific projects for their clients' needs. Our role is to is to deliver what the architect has designed and, and produced. So we protect the client, I guess, by delivering as most effectively as possible what they've paid for through the architect and the design. And it always goes right? Uh, more often than not, it does. Um, there's always some hurdles, but... Because our focus is customer service and quality, I think it goes right more often than not. We aren't in it for the short term, we're in it for the long term. So we we really pride ourselves on producing what the architect has designed and we really pride ourselves on our our reputation. I imagine too that um, if something doesn't go 100% correct and, you know, that's inevitable because that's life, uh, it's just a matter of having a conversation with who needs to be at the table to solve the, the situation. Yeah, exactly. Not everything always goes right. So how do you respond? What's your response? You know, okay, this didn't go right. Simple, the, the roof leaks. So what's your response? Is, is your response, oh, it's not my fault? Or is your response, I've got Dave, Joe and Rich coming here in two hours to solve this problem for you. We, we sincerely apologise. It shouldn't happen. This is our response. You know, we, we will fix this. So when you guys all come to the table there, that, I mean, that's teamwork. How do you ensure that you are working as a team? Respecting each other's skill set and, and ability and understanding what everyone can bring to the table. We communicate with each other and we see everybody's worth. We understand that everyone has a role to play and everyone is important to the outcome. As a business owner, what's the biggest lesson you've learnt? I would say to be true to yourself and to know what you want to get out of life. Dan, what's the future of the construction industry? The future of the building industry is the use of of sustainable and environmental products. What are some of the the major environmental or sustainability issues that are uh, alive within the construction industry that need to be addressed? Deforestation is huge. Uh, Current manufacturing 
processes building materials, wastage of building materials. The future of the building industry is understanding the impact of the of the manufacturing of building materials and how building construction uh, impacts on the environment. What advice can you give to students coming through about a career as a builder? It's a fantastic vocation. It allows you to be involved and engaged in a whole host of different people, different personalities. It's exciting. You're producing something. I haven't sort of touched on that, but at the end of the day, we are producing a product, um, something which you can uh, drive past and say, I I was part of that. I get uh, teased by my kids on this all the time, but we drive past one of the jobs that we've done and I say, I've, I did that. And they say, well, Dad, no, you didn't. You don't do a thing. You don't, you don't, you're not a carpenter. You don't build. You, know, you, you don't physically do anything. I said, well, no, well, I, I was involved in that. I was part of the team. So everyone associated with construction can put their thumbprint on the product that they produced. Building is always going to be needed. Doctors are needed. Builders are needed. Sounds like there's a real purpose in your career, Dan. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for spending some time with me and explaining where you've come from and what you've achieved. Excellent. Thanks for the time. At times, things go wrong, but as a business owner, Dan is fully aware that he can't blame someone else. To him, it's the response to the problem that matters most and that homeowners or customers are generally forgiving if you acknowledge what's happened and commit to bring everyone together to fix it. That's called teamwork, and it's a big part of any solution, no matter the industry or outcome needed. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.